0: Other people can kind of nudge the steering wheel for you, but nobody is going to be able to drive your car for you your whole life because they're not in your body making your decisions. And even if someone does, you might not like where they drive you. You just might not. And you're still going to hit potholes along the way, except now you're going to go, oh, it's this person's fault. They drove me into a pothole. Well, no, it's your fault. You had the car and you chose to put them in charge of it. Still your fault. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's why, to a certain extent, there's like one thing that we don't get to do as people. And that's like the only choice that we don't have is the fact that we have to make choices.
1: Welcome. So excited to be welcoming you on to the Leadership Moral. We have a, back for another uh, podcast, Patrick Lalonde, the Vice President of the Student Works Management Program. We have an amazing conversation about taking responsibility, taking 100% accountability for your life. What does that actually mean? Yeah, you know, what's the power in that? Where are the pitfalls in that? And we move it around and look at it from all sorts of directions. For me to get taking 100% responsibility for my life in all the different areas of my life has made such a difference in my life. I know you're going to love this podcast. I know it is going to become one of our most listened to podcasts uh, over the years. It's evergreen. So please listen. Please uh, send any information or feedback or something else you'd like us to talk about to chris at leaderspodcast.ca. And of course, any amazing young leaders looking to be part of the leaders of tomorrow. Thank you. Hey leaders. I'm really, really excited to have Patrick Lalonde, the vice president of the student works management program on the podcast again. And we had a an amazing conversation last week. I'm not exactly sure about the timing when we will record or, or you know hand out or deliver these podcasts but we've identified that there's a real opportunity for us just to talk about really amazing themes that we have in our program that really really make an enormous difference in the lives of successful people and today and we believe that we'll be we're, we're doing this one now that we'll be doing more in the future around different themes and um the, this can be evergreen material for any leaders who are interested. But the first concept we're going to be talking about is taking responsibility. Okay. And taking 100% responsibility for everything in your life. Okay. And I thought, I was thinking about when did I first come across the concept that I should be 100% responsible for everything in my life? And one of our former alumni, Jay Wong, who's been on the program, had Jack Canfield on his podcast recently. And Jack Canfield, for people who don't know, has literally written dozens and dozens and dozens of best-selling books, many of them under the chicken soup for the soul concept. Famous author, famous speaker. And he wrote a book called The Success Principles. And I just pulled it up when, when Jay had him on his podcast. It was written in 2005, 2006. And I saw that I had made notes in the back of it saying, a new manager slide, talk about 100% responsibility for everything. So, to me, this is probably when I first got the idea that I needed to be 100% responsible for everything in my life. And then, as I went and did more personal development work and work with Landmark, work with Personal Best, work with other people. Uh, and thought leaders, that became more and more of a consistent theme that I saw with the strategic coach and Dan Sullivan. So, I wanted just to highlight that this is not something that everyone sees. A lot of people don't see it, and um, we're really excited to be having this conversation with Patrick uh, today. So, Patrick, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow.
0: Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here again, and yeah. uh, it's not surprising, I think, to me that taking responsibility has been a part of probably tons of self-development programs, self-development yeah. books, courses for a really long time. Like hearing that, oh, that was in Jack's book, yeah. you know, uh, 15 years ago. Yes. And then it, just looking back, like, I know that the theme of taking responsibility is is present in some way, shape, or form, in every type of self development that you're going to do, whether like, like what doesn't matter what kind of books, seminars, courses, coaching, they're always going to bring it back to you've got to be 100% responsible. And it doesn't surprise me because I think, I don't think that you can do anything really big and really difficult until you've got this one piece figured out. Like, until yes. that part is really like you get that clearly. Whether you had to sort of get there by reading and then thinking about it and kind of piecing it together, or whether you were just already there implicitly. Like sometimes you might have grown up with that and you just don't even know that there's another way to look at it. Yeah. But I think I don't think you can achieve anything if you don't have that ability to just be a hundred percent responsible.
1: Well, and it's it's interesting about, you know, there is something to I got that I was the cause in the world, you know, if I was gonna get great results in swimming, or in business, or in uh, school, or, or in life, I was the person that needed to act on it. But there is something to 100% responsibility, taking full ownership, right? There really is kind of like a cliff to that, really, meaning all this is my, you know, and a lot of times people go to fault. So, you know, my faults, you know, and, and then people go to victimhood. Right. And that's not where this is. So how do you how do you decipher that? How do you typically, you know, tear that apart, Patrick? So it's really
0: interesting. I saw a clip a couple years ago, I think it was like one or two years ago, Tony Robbins got in a lot of trouble because he made just not necessarily bad comments, but he kind of made it sound like there was something wrong with the Me Too movement. Right. Or he's, you know, and really what what he was going after in in what he was talking about was the there's actually the, there like I was looking at that because what happened for Tony was Tony was talking about victimhood at the individual level, mm-hmm. and a lot of people looking at what he was saying were hearing about victimhood at the level of group or of of community. Right. right? So what happens is obviously like if you're in a group or a community, you can look at somebody who has suffered something. Right. And want to help them want to put resources in place to help them recover and all that. And so at the level of group, being able to identify a certain, oh, this person needs a bit of extra help because this happened or that happened is a good thing. Right. But at the level of individual, when you make yourself a victim. Right. And you live in victimhood. The problem is, is it takes all of your power away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. For yourself, if you become and you define yourself as somebody who is a victim of X, Y, and Z, it creates this this sort of barrier around you where you're like, as a victim of this, these are my, I can't go outside of that. And it defines you as somebody who's powerless. So it takes away so much personal power. And obviously, when I listen to it, because of the training and and the books and, and all the 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 time I've spent on this, it was really clear to me that Tony wasn't saying, hey, you're, you're wrong for being a victim of, of a crime, you know? No. Yeah. Or somehow, like that's somehow, somehow yes, bad yeah. that you were a victim. It's like, no, no. Yes. That's, that's, yes. I, but no. it could sound that way to somebody who wasn't differentiating between how you treat yourself or do you treat yourself like a victim or do you treat yourself like somebody who's responsible and who's going to just take responsibility for it? and, you know, take actions to move on. So it's a very, very fine line. And I think that's where the confusion comes up because if you look at taking responsibility, this is a really touchy topic, but I'm, I, I want to dive into it because I think it's, it's really important, but say somebody, you know, left, like they they park in downtown Montreal and they leave their laptop in their, in their car. Yeah. Perfect. That's a big Great example. Great example. Yeah. Right. That's a big no-no in Montreal because you know that it's it's a well-known fact that there are people who will break into your car and steal stuff if you park your car on the street in downtown Montreal and you have your laptop or you have something that's yep. worth a lot of money in there. Now, on the one hand, it's not your fault if you leave your laptop in your car. You're not a, a bad person for having left it there. And then someone robbed you. Obviously, the person who's, let's say, at fault or the person who committed a crime. Is the person who stole your laptop? Yeah. Then again, you still don't have a laptop. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the, the end result <laughs> is you're laptopless, and now yes, and you've been robbed, and you know you're probably not getting that laptop back ever. And now you got to go buy a new one, and there's a financial impact, and there's the impact on your life of losing all your data and all these other problems, right? So the yep. fact that you were right that. It should have been okay in a perfect world to leave it there and not have it get stolen. It doesn't change the fact that now you don't have a laptop and that if you had taken your laptop with you and put it in your bag, you would still have a laptop. And so you're responsible for that to the extent that it's not your fault. You're not a bad person or, or anything like that for having that happen to you. But you could do something in the future to avoid it. You can put measures in place to protect yourself and you need to be responsible yeah. for that because no one else is going to be, right? Like you've got to watch out for yourself, for right. you know, your stuff and to take decisions that are going to put you in the best possible position. And there's risk associated with everything in life. So there's nothing you're going to do that's going to be risk-free, but you can learn from that experience and go, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. And next time, what would I do to put myself in a better
1: position? 100%. Well, and just to share, Pat, I remember earlier on in my life, I, I, mid-late 20s, I was going up north uh, to my parents' place, and I parked my car, and I put some bags in my trunk, but some bags in, and so as a parent, someone smashed my window, took everything out of my car. I lost $3,000 worth of stuff yep. or whatever it was. And again, I took responsibility, meaning I shouldn't do that. That's not something I should do. And again, so you'll see me at, at like I'll carry my briefcase with my laptop out for dinner sometimes, or if I'm traveling or whatever, or what can I do? How can I get that someplace? Because again, it doesn't work for, for it to be there. So it's I'm a hundred percent accountable. So that's one piece and 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 it is kind of a a touchy subject with people, you know, sort of wading into uh, you're hundred percent responsible for everything that happens in your life. So there's an example, but you know, one of the other things that, that who do we typically blame or who does the average person typically blame? And I was sort of thinking parents, the government, billionaires, our boss, ourselves. So, you know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. I went to a bad school. These are typical you know, sort of things that run through people's minds about who do they blame? How am I not responsible? Well, it's the government, or God, those billionaires got everything, or, or my parents. or I couldn't have
0: done anything. I was born yeah. this way. This is just how the I'm. I'm it you know, it's, it's not my fault because I just don't have that skill set, or I wasn't born with that the ability to do that well. And it's like, and I think that's where it's just so important to realize, just first of all, how pointless it is to blame it's just a complete waste of energy right because right well i guess before we jump into that i did want to share also i actually had the same thing i got i got robbed out of my car years ago same thing and i think there's something really powerful to looking at that and then just saying you know what i parked it here i made the decision this was my choice Yes. I had something happen. Uh, uh, like the, the best example of this that I could ever come up with taking responsibility was I had this friend of mine who drove his car to go somewhere and parked it on the side of the road. And yeah. there was a, was a bit of an ice storm that day. It was, it was like this road conditions weren't amazing. Right. And after he parked his car, somebody kind of swerved off the road and hit his car. And there was this big disagreement. Yeah. And basically, I'm I'm pretty sure my friend ended up getting like, basically pretty screwed in the whole situation where the person never really paid him for the damages. And and they, they blamed, they said he wasn't parked properly, even though he was well into the median. And, and it caused them all sorts of problems. Right. And I said, Well, you know, you just need to take responsibility for that. And he's like, Well, what right. do you mean? I was like, Well, you chose to drive a car. And inherently, like, that's yes. not even to say you chose to drive a car in bad conditions and blah, blah, blah. But you just made the decision, yep. I'm going to own a vehicle. And implicit in making that decision yep. is the fact that sometimes your car is going to get in an accident, or sometimes people are going to hit you, or, or you're sure. going to park it in a parking lot and somebody's going to ding your door, you know, all those things. That is just yep. built into the risk that you decided to take on when you said, I'm going to drive a car nobody's ever pretended like yeah. nobody lied to you and said, you know, you're never going to get in a car accident. It's impossible. It's statistically quite yes. likely you know, that you'll get in a car accident.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yes. You will. Yeah, yeah. Very unlikely not to, you know, you live a long life not to have a car accident. Yeah. So I wanted
0: him to be just re- responsible and say, look, this is my car accident. I didn't, Mm. you know, I don't have to point the finger at who, who caused it or all this, you know, whatever. That's not important. Important part is your car is damaged. You need to figure out the situation because nobody's going to come in and just fix it all for you and make everything better. That's your job to go and and figure it out and work through it. And it's just a part of life. Like you made this choice. You chose to drive a car. You chose to have it on the road. Yes and you chose that probably for a good reason cuz driving a car is pretty awesome. You can get all sorts of places and yes, opens up lots of freedom, yeah. lots of benefits. But yeah. I mean, you could have chose yeah. to just be a pedestrian your whole life and you would have never had that risk. But yeah. Eh, I think the benefits outweigh the cost and so you yeah. made
1: a choice. Right. And when you're looking at your life like that and you're seeing like you make all sorts of choices and with those choices come implicit risks. And come other things that drag it along. And people aren't aware of that. You know, the government's going to come in and audit me someday and tax me on things that I don't think are fair. Their government's going to come in and say something about my business that I don't like, <laughs> that I don't don't agree with. Right. Like, and again, so the choice is I don't live in Canada. You know, I, the, the governments are everywhere. So I don't know what the choice is there. You know, so, so
0: it's. Well, the choice is you could be an employee. You could go live in the woods, live off the land, you know there's there's
1: all sorts of choices, yeah, yeah, there's some choices. Good point. There's some choices. But the choices, if I want to run a business is I am interacting with the government. I'm interacting with insurance companies with all these different things, and I need to be hundred percent responsible. And you know, how do you look at you know just the 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 powerlessness of victimhood?
0: I think what ended up happening, is people at some point down the line, I think it's as kids, th- this is really what I think, like, as mm-hmm. kids, I think we kind of learned that it's useful in some way to feel badly when you do something. Maybe that's a huh? Christian thing. I don't know where we, we really got it.
1: There's a bunch of morality, right? And certainly in our, in our Judeo-Christian North American life, who really we're talking largely to in the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. So yeah, I think most people, you know, ha- have that space, there's a morality, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I think at some point along the road we thought that it was good to feel bad about stuff. Like if you make a mistake, you should feel bad about making that mistake, you know? You that it's 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 correct yes. to feel badly. Or if you did something like if you tripped someone on the bus, it you know, we started believing yes. that it was somehow helpful that we felt really badly for having tripped the person. Yeah. But the reality is say I steal something or not even I inadvertently, you know, steal something from the grocery store, right. you know, when I'm like scanning stuff out and I and I realize, you know, I get home and I realize, oh, we forgot this thing at the bottom of the cart and, you know, I thought you scanned it, I thought you right. scanned it. No. Oh crap. You know. Right. So so one of the ways that people would go as they go we should really feel badly about that we stole that so it's like the useful thing to do is to feel badly and the reality is it's just not true it's completely useless the store doesn't have any more money because you feel bad about it yeah you feel badly they're still out you know a can of uh like a pack of uh you know cans of pop or whatever it is that was on the bottom of your cart or whatever toilet paper or whatever yeah yeah they, they don't have any yeah. more money and they're still out there stuff, right? The only thing that actually does anything is if you go back to the store and pay for it. Absolutely. Yes. So this idea that people should feel badly about stuff came up and then it created this, this need to find someone to blame it on, right? It's like, I feel really badly about this. I'm going to blame it on my spouse. I told you, you should have, you know, mm-hmm scanned it i thought you were doing that. right okay so now i feel badly and, and i'm going to put that bad oh, feeling okay. that i don't want on you or i'm going to put it on the grocery store oh, oh. well they should have uh they should have been checking
1: they're making lots of money pat
0: yeah so that
1: would be something people could say
0: yeah also yeah
1: oh it's fine you know they're a
0: big corporation they're all yeah. making money hand over fist you know let alone you don't realize your retirement funds invested in that store you just stole them but that's a <laughs> That's another story. That's <laughs> a separate thing. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you, you do it, you feel badly, you blame it on something. And usually right. you want to blame it on something that you, you can't control. Like, like either someone outside of you or, or a characteristic that you've assigned yeah. to yourself that like, cause, cause this is also just as much outside of you. you. You'll say like, oh, I'm, I'm this way, you know? Oh, well, it's not my fault. I'm so forgetful. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, my brain just doesn't work very well. I'm, I'm forgetful. You know, it's like, no, that's still you, you know, like you still made that decision, but, but that's what people do is they'll find that characteristic and then they blame it on that. And what happens is, right. There's a feeling that this is useful. And then that replaces actually doing what would be the right thing. If I tripped somebody on the bus, helping them get back up, you know, Apologizing, help, yeah, dusting them the off jail. a little bit, all those yeah. things, right? Or if I accidentally stole the the cans of pop on the bottom of the cart,
1: going back to law laws, yeah, paying,
0: yeah. So I think there's there's like that's the problem with victimhood is you know instead of looking at it from a practical point of view where you're going like how do I just like make this situation better or how do I make sure this situation doesn't happen again you're looking to blame not be responsible for it you know so that you don't have to feel badly but there's no reason to feel badly about it something bad just happened it's like cool that happens to everybody in their life right. like bad things happen all the time and they happen to to you know they happen to everybody right so when you start to define yourself as a victim then you create these barriers of well it's these people in society it's this and it's all these things i can't control And the reality is you stop looking at the things you can control. That's why you become powerless, right? Because you're not looking at the choices that you can make to not be in that situation or to put yourself in a better situation or to avoid, you know, those problems. And realistically, I also think that's why people that have the most problems in life tend to always like have the most problems consistently. Like they, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, that person who always has like, bad things happening to them.
1: Those are just people who are yeah. making bad choices. Right, right. And not taking responsibility, actually not looking, you know, again, you know, you use the the example of someone who's really in control of their life, literally are in the front seat of the car, driving their car, watching out. And there are people who literally are in the passenger seat going, where? where Why is this, is this road have so many potholes, you know, instead
0: of swerving around them or, you know, oh, this road is so bumpy. Yeah, exactly. This sucks. We're, it's like, yeah, you're not behind the wheel
1: driving the car, man. Who's going to take care of me? You know, like who's going to take care of me to make sure I make good decisions, right? You know, and, and sort of seeing that no one's going to take care of you. That's actually your part of life. You know, a parent, you know, again, at a certain point, obviously a parent should, you know, furnish their child and coach their child and develop and parent their child so that they eventually can take charge of their life. But it's the parent, it's the child's life. Eventually it's our life to lead. And uh, um, that's a really, really important concept is eventually I got to jump into the car, take the wheel and drive. it.
0: Yeah. Well, that nobody else is like... Other people can kind of nudge the steering wheel for you, but nobody is going to be able to drive your car for you your whole life because they're not in your body making your decisions. Right. Right. So, so, and even if someone does, you might not like where they drive you. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Like you just might not. And you're still going to hit potholes along the way, except now you're going to go, Oh, it's this person's fault. They drove me into a pothole. Well, no, it's your fault. You had the car, and you chose to put them in charge of it. Still, your fault. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's why, right. to a certain extent, there's like one thing that we don't get to do as people, and that's not make like the only choice that we don't have is the fact that we have to make choices.
1: Right, right. And we're responsible for those choices. And the the decision not to make a choice exactly. is still yeah. a choice. You know, th- those those are powerless choices. Those are not choices that. I know. And, and, and as we're swirling around this topic, our leaders, we want you to go, OK, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Maybe there's a little piece of that there yeah. that I'm doing. Yeah. Maybe I beat myself up and blame myself when I make a bad decision. Maybe I do that. And, and so so I find sometimes, Pat, top performers beat themselves up and blame themselves. Like so we're we're separating it out. We get the low performers. They're just going to blame everyone. You know, so that they they go to victimhood, I find sometimes top performers think I can't be a top performer without this constant
0: like I need to hurt myself i have got I've, yeah.
1: I've got to win, I've got to win, I've got to perform I've got to perform go, go, go and and why I know this is because I had that for decades in my life or or you know starting to unwind and unwind and unwind for a long, long time, and there's a lot more peace in my life but I used to think that, that that was actually what was getting my results in my life and it wasn't.
0: Yeah. Well, it's almost like um like like if you think about it in an analogy, it's almost like if you're you know like there was those weird, um, those those like weird religious cults where they like hurt themselves in order to absorb the
1: hurt yes. in the world. Masochists.
0: Yeah. yeah. So so it was like this belief, yeah. it's really weird belief that there was a limited amount of pain in the world. So if they absorbed it. Other people wouldn't have to suffer it, and that it's it's like that level of ludicrousy is what we're doing to ourselves emotionally as mm-hmm. top performers when we're going like, you know, whipping your own back, going like, you yeah, idiot, yeah. you should have known not to do
1: that, or you, you know, yes, you shouldn't have parked your car there, you dummy. So then you think you won't do it again, but no. What will cause you to do it again or not do it again is whether you do it again or not do it again, right? So it's just yeah. simply integrity, you know, am I going to do it again or not do it again? What structure could I put in so that I don't do that again? You know, what reminder could I put in? Yeah,
0: because that's, that's actually what matters. It's like, okay, great. Well, what do I have to learn from this? Mm-hmm. You know, like whenever I have an event right. happen to me, because I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've done a lot of things wrong. I've had a lot of opportunities to beat myself For up. Sure. And when they pop up, I always immediately go to, okay, I, I obviously have the knee-jerk reaction of like, go to beat myself up. Yeah, and then you dummy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Pick <laughs> the bat up. Absolutely. And then a few seconds later, you know, I can kind of catch it and go, well, hold on. What am I going to learn from them? And then I look at that. Yeah. And what am I going to do differently next time? And I think of that, right? You know, what, it, what, what I would do differently. And then I just go, great, move off it. Literally don't think about it right. anymore. I've got what I needed to get. And we talked about this on our last call. Yeah. But it, it is literally a discipline at some point where you just have to go, rather than thinking about it again and running through it again, that's a huge mistake that you're going to make just obsessing over it and making yourself feel badly. You just got to look at what you can do differently, look at what you can learn, and then Mm -hmm. literally put it in a box, never like, just stop thinking about it, go do something else, go get your head thinking about something else, and remember it just so that you don't make the mistake again, so that you've taken away something from it.
1: Yeah. Or put a structure, maybe, you know, there's, oh, I forgot to do my taxes, or I didn't plan this. Okay, so every month I need to do this so that I'm prepared for, for this occurrence that i know is going to happen in the in the future or maybe someone on my team can go and do this you know if if we're running a business so that there's this structure so that this won't come back and reoccur again like that's that's what that's what's the strike. so what can i learn about it yeah is so powerful and not that we want bad things to happen but one great thought i've always had about when bad things happen is is that The people who who are in our program, Pat, the people who are listening to this podcast, the leaders who are listening to this podcast, I make up that most of them are like you and me, you know, at 18, 19. Life's going pretty great. Like most things are really working for them. And that most of the things they're doing is they're winning. And then they're winning again. And then they're winning again. They're winning at school. They're winning at relationships. They're winning. And again, not always, always, always. But most things are winning. So, in fact, it's a gift when bad things happen. It's a gift so that they knock you off stride and go, oh God, that was really dumb. I never thought of that. I never knew that. And so if we take every lesson and we think, why is this happening for me? Not that I wanted it to happen, but why is this happening for me? And we just pull open these lessons and these lessons and these lessons because top performers especially learn so much more from their mistakes, their errors, their, their failures, than, than the winds, the winds are just normal. Well, I love that you brought that up because there's so
0: many t- times where you can kind of see that in action, just the importance of learning. So like, uh, like our good, mm-hmm. our mutual friend, James Fedick, you know, he wanted to start his own right. business when he left, uh, the student works management program and he had done really well right. with us. So he had a lot of money to go and, and go and start that business. And, you know, the first business he launched was like, uh, like an online e-commerce uh, style of business where he was like making products. It wasn't like even dropshipping. He was making his own products. He invested a lot of time into it, but he kind of didn't really know this new field of e-commerce. So he made a bunch of rookie mistakes and lost tens of thousands of dollars and wasted so much time. And it yeah. was such a just a big flop. Like the whole thing, like it didn't work out for yeah. him at all. And what James did is obviously he was in a pretty crap situation at the time. Like it just wasn't good. He, he had lost a lot of his money. He didn't have a lot of savings anymore. He couldn't necessarily right. live the lifestyle he wanted to live. But he said, you know, like, I'm just going to be responsible and I'm, I'm going to go to the next business and I'm try something else. And he took those lessons that he learned from that, applied them to his new businesses. And now he runs a really successful seven figure Online business, right, and he's achieved everything he wanted to achieve i it would have been impossible for him to get to that level in running his business if he hadn't have had those early failures
1: so the seeds are in the failures, the seeds are in the failures because I remember some of the things that he shared with me is that you know I could see I'm really not a product guy you know, I'm a coaching guy, I'm a relationship guy, I'm a service guy like that was one of the things that he he discovered you know didn't you know his original business was around watches like watches thought I was really into watches but not how I really needed to be you know and and, and he is an incredible coach and a thinker and a, so that's really where he's spending his time and and, and and then as well all the vast knowledge that he would have gained over how he marketed it right and also as well if you actually separate out that massive failure because it was tens of thousands of dollars of massive failure. There were all sorts of wins in the massive failure because he sold an yeah. enormous number of watches. He he learned again how to how to enroll and engage people on these social media outlets, and clearly that's part of his seven-figure uh, uh, successful business now. Is is that's what he's been able to do?
0: Yeah, you're totally right because it is easy to look at the end result and go like, "Oh, that was a loss" because he lost
1: some money doing it,
0: but it really was like there was like mm. so many wins within that business he actually sold thousands and thousands of watches like he i think he was close to like 5000 yes. watches that he sold like it was it was really actually quite big yes yeah and the other thing too that i i thought was so interesting like i have another friend who who lost some money in the stock market you know like especially right now it's so easy to lose money in the stock market in an economy like this like where where we just went through one of the biggest like right. biggest economic crashes drops ever. Yeah, ever I think they're saying now, you know. So which yes. given the fact that our society is still holding together and nobody's starving tells me that we're the wealthiest we've ever been and just so freaking lucky. That's a that's a different story 100%. But yeah, so he lost a bunch of money on the stock market and like it was the first thing that I thought of is you are so lucky that this happened to you right now. Because I know this guy is going to be a millionaire. Like it's only like the, the way he's going to like work and live his life and the way he's, he operates, it's clear he's going to be a millionaire and millionaires lose like millions of dollars in one shot when they make bad market decisions in times of uncertainty. Right. Right. So at least for him, it's just a couple tens of thousands of dollars and he's going to be able to go and, and recover from this. And pay off his debts or whatever it is and get totally good. It's not going to be a big deal for him in the long run, but he learned so much from this that if he actually utilizes the lessons out of this, it will save him hundreds of thousands of dollars in bad investments when he's a millionaire. So as long as he takes those lessons and has those takeaways, he's good to go. This is a blessing, you know? Yeah. I've, I've had, I got punched in the face as a teenager in a, like in a, whatever, disagreement situation. Right. And the whole thing, like I had lost, I lost a tooth in the fight. Right. And then I had to like spend years going to dentist's offices as they tried to fix my teeth and bring them back. Because my teeth were already good. I never had braces. They were good to go. Then all of a sudden, you right. know, I lose one of my front teeth. Like that's just not going to work for a person right. in their life. Like you look like a like a, like a criminal. Yeah. So I yeah. had to spend... I think it was like six, $7,000, you know, fixing this tooth that I got messed up as a teenager. And literally that followed me for years. And it was such an important lesson in my life. I'm so happy that when I was 14, I learned that because if I had, or 15, I forget, you know, how old I was, but I'm so glad I learned that because yeah. yeah. it was really about being naive. Right. So, and, and not being right. naive saved me hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands since then. So, so it's been really important. Um, I think for me to have those early failures, I, I I don't know. I think it's, it's just so important to have failure. Like you, you just can't do anything good without it. Can't achieve anything without failing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's harnessing it. It's packaging it. It's valuing it. And, and you notice as well, when Pat talks about his failures, there's no morality piece anymore no slapping himself on the back it's like wow i see the gift this is wonderful you know i I've, I've, I've said i've said this before but you know if, if i look at my business failures and bad decisions uh, i made lots of good decisions but it's it's over a million dollars And describing some of my yeah. friends we're in the million dollar club not the good million dollar club where we've lost over a million dollars on on bad business decisions over the years and that's Made me who I am. That's that's made me have the self awareness. The, the you know put me on my path to creating great value. And you know again, it, it wasn't always there in any way whatsoever. It's there now. Um, and I guess the odd time it feels there's still some morality that gets in sometimes. And I let that go, you know, because I'm human, you know. But but like there's just so many gifts to that. And I want everyone to be really seeing that. That that's how I how I need to look at my failure because. I want to be 100% responsible for my life. I want to have a great life.
0: It's interesting. I wonder how many millionaires exist in the world who aren't part of this million dollar club. Like it's got to be a small number. I think most people who have made a lot of money in their lives have had to lose a lot of money at times as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, certainly, yeah, like like there's not a single billionaire out there who hasn't lost hundreds of millions of dollars at one point.
1: Yeah, well, it's 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 interesting. I know a lot of successful people, so there are people who who just you know chose right and and ended up winning a lot financially. I I do know some people who who ended up not having having as many bounces. But you're right, there are a lot of bounces. But one of the things I thought actually what you were asking was how many millionaires actually take a hundred percent responsibility for their life. And the reality is, I think. It's certainly not 100%. No. Because it's not not a wealth thing. It's a mindset thing. You're right. It's a knowledge thing. It's an understanding thing. Because I could still be blaming the government, blaming my parents, blaming others, blaming my staff. They're not doing it well enough for me. God, I can never find good people, all those sorts of things, and still be a multi-multi millionaire. Well,
0: Yeah, cuz all you have to do to be a multimillionaire is work really hard. Right. To a certain extent. Yeah. Like obviously there's got to be a few other like you got to be good at something and all that, but if you work really hard at
1: something. Yes, yeah, so you've got to be in a good space, good market opportunity, you know, etc. so 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 you know, reasonable intelligence, following a good plan, but you're right. And you can still totally totally be 100% responsible. And and I hope people are as well as we're talking about both sides of this paradigm going god there's a lot more freedom in this 100% responsibility thing there's a lot more joy here right? like like it's it's like there's you know blaming you know my staff the, the economy the wind the wind yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god look at this right but i always like to say that actually that's what the economy is is that is that sometimes you have this wind a real gale force wind against you Every 10 years, there's a wind that's going to come up and, and really have a hard time trying to knock us down, you know, or put us like in pause because it's so strong. And then uh, otherwise, you know, we're really lucky. We're in Canada here. Mostly it just flows behind our back. So that's kind of how I see the wind and, and, and that, that, you know, if we see it that way, it's like, okay, I'm not going to, when it's going blowing hard at me, I don't need to blame this. It's just, I need to accept it and move on. Take 100% responsibility for my life. This is who I am. This is where I am.
0: Well, and also, like, the way I like to look at it, especially with your wind analogy, is, like, if if the wind is blowing so hard against you, change directions.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, you're, you know, it, like... Pivot. Set yeah. Sales for another course. Like, yeah. We have a course that <laughs> we're set it. on
0: right now in our company with the management program, student works. Yeah. And obviously like the wind is blowing against us right now now we believe it's a short big gust and going to die down and then the wind is going to catch our sails again and we're going to get going and it's you know so so we haven't necessarily let's say like changed course we've put down our sails and we've battered down the hatches so that we we can still be here when the wind stops yeah but realistically if this new wind was going to keep going in this direction for however long years to come we would have to change directions, you know, because it would be stupid for us to try to go, oh, no, let's get the the paddles out. Let's try to paddle the boat against the wind with no sails. It's like, that's just not going to work. Yes, Let's just figure out what yeah. we can do that would work and and be like, you know, let's be responsible for
1: finding a course using the wind we have. Go do that. Yes. That, I think that's really, again, a really, really powerful analogy you know again you know just okay set the sales for a new course if that's what needs to happen that's what needs to happen sometimes
0: like you're not always going to get you know your course isn't always going to look like what you thought it was going to look like that doesn't mean it's not going to be amazing Mm -hmm. right that's that doesn't mean there's not all sorts of amazing things you're going to get out of it it's just not going to be this like perfect line or this thing that you would envision at first it's going to be something different because you can't predict the future. But yeah, if if your only definition of good is the line that you plotted, you know, on your uh, like, when you first set sail, then you're going to have some some really, really, you're, ju- you're just going to consistently and always be disappointed. Because right, you're almost never going to actually perfectly follow the line that you plotted. It's going to change and change and change. And you're going to adapt. and And that's you know you don't plot the line to go if it's not this it's failure Yes. you plot the line to just give you the best possible
1: shot well and it's it's interesting as well as i always think there's a little bit of craziness in entrepreneurs you know like uh govin yeah. yarman you know one of our favorite alumni and he's been on this show and if you haven't listened go listen but govin says in his latest business if he had known how much it was going to cost how long it was going to take and how much work it was going to be he never Would have done (laughs) and he just never would have took it on it just it's just been such a grind and now he feels like literally he can be part of saving billions of dollars and creating billions of dollars worth of value like you know or or maybe it's millions but but it's it's just such a monstrous opportunity you know again it's just so you know so enormous and and again you know so so no one sees the future clearly, as you're saying this, you know, and having that and and by the way, as well is in deciding, like, it's kind of like you see a little small hill when you start your business and then all of a sudden you get up to that hill and then you go, oh my God, there's a, oh, there's a mountain range behind there. Yeah. And then, and then you get there and then you go, oh no, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a small, small mountain range, you know, yeah. behind there. Yeah.
0: Oh no! It only gets like the the challenges only get bigger. The mountain ranges only get bigger. Like, obviously, there there's all sorts of ways that you can go and approach your business. But I I think if you're expecting it to be just small hills, you know, there's no way you're ever going to be an entrepreneur. And realistically, it, it's the same thing about life. Like, you know, whether that comes up, like yes. if it's going to be with your family, like if you think that having a family is going to be just like all green and dandy and amazing. It's like, well, hold on. What about when your, you know, kids are getting in trouble at school or one of them's struggling with this or they 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 get in trouble no. as teenagers or they they, you know, whatever. Like there's going to be all sorts of challenges. There's going to be hills and then mountain ranges and then sometimes there's going to yeah. be cliffs and yeah. you no, know, if, if you're not just prepared to go in and just say I'm responsible to climb this mountain, you're going to be disappointed. And I don't know. I I've always kind of looked at this. What's your take on fairness?
1: Yeah, that's what actually I was going to ask you. To me, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself in your life is to absolutely understand the world is not fair. There is no such thing as fair and that that it you know, it it doesn't exist. It's not fair and and you know, for me, I look at my life and I just and I and I go, how could anyone think it's fair that I had amazing parents, I grew up in Canada, I got amazing schooling, I had incredible mentors early on in this program, you know, all these things, uh, amazing health, like, like, it's so unfair for how life has ruled my way. And then it's my opportunity to take whatever's fair, or not fair, and maximize that. That's kind of how I look at fairness.
0: Yeah. Well, I think so. So it's almost like I want to start this off with a bit of a disclaimer. OK, because fairness, sometimes people will say life's not fair and they use that as um, like as, a, as an excuse to be a dick.
1: And it's a big load on my shoulders. Life's not fair. Woe is me. Right. Like so. I So so you can see I've turned that. You asked me first. I've turned it into look at all the amazing things that are powerful, you know, about about my life. And I don't talk about the things that haven't been, you know like it's 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 look how unfair it is,
0: so part of it is you've made a positive interpretation of it for yourself, but also, I just wanted to put the disclaimer on that like you know life not being fair isn't isn't an excuse to be an asshole. that's you know not where Chris and I are for sure either and just like oh i'm gonna you know i'm I'm gonna behave poorly here and not help this person because hey, life's not fair, they gotta figure it. Out you know that's yes. that's what we're saying that's not where you should be going with it where i realized that the concept of fairness just didn't exist um there there's a lot of different examples but i thought of this like let's say you're you're going for a professional certification like you want to be a plumber right right and the year that you decide that you want to be a plumber the governments want to put more restrictions in place and make it harder for plumbers to get certified they want to raise the bar. Right. Now, you might look at this and be like, hey, they, like, and this is happening, like they're putting these new restrictions in place while you're in school to be a plumber. And then how unfair. Yeah. And how unfair that I have to go through this extra work. Yeah. yeah. But then, then at the same time, how unfair is it that there are customers out there hiring plumbers who aren't qualified and then are destroying their houses. Right. Well, how, like, how unfair is that? Mm-hmm. And then you could say, okay, well, let's get all the plumbers to do it. Well, there's a million really good plumbers out there who are doing an awesome job. And how unfair is it to ask them? They already know. They're already doing it, right? How unfair is it to ask them to go and, and retake all this testing When they're doing a great job and they know what they're doing and they don't need to go through this extra year to get certified. So no matter how you slice it, fairness is purely in the eyes of the beholder. hundred percent. Like it's, it's 100%. I'm sitting here deciding whether that's fair or not. And then the next person can be thinking what's fair. The next person can be thinking what's fair. And we're all going to have different interpretations of fair. And that's why it can't possibly exist because it's right. one of those things that it, it
1: only exists for you in one moment in time. It's just an interpretation, just like, just like timing. You know, I've talked to some of our alumni and, you know, imagine if you're in the hotel business or the celebrity or cruise business or, or, or events business. Uh, one of my alumni I was speaking with this, this week, like that was three-pronged business, those businesses, and a startup, and it was really moving well. Now that business is over. So is that fair? You know, like we had, a, we had a business with Home Depot that was growing tremendously. And then there was this real estate crisis in 2008. Is that fair? You know, no. And on the other hand, we both made decisions to go into a business that has risks. And the risks are that there could be a pandemic. The risks are there can be a, 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 a global crisis in the real estate market that can impact your business. That's just what is so, so so accept it.: yeah, so I
0: think, I think it's one of those things I think the first thing that you have to get rid of if you want to be really effective in life is just like get rid of the the, the this idea of what should be and what is fit. Yeah Yes, yeah,
1: you know? exactly
0: because they' they're kind of the same thing, you know, because yeah. should be is also one of those things where it's like actually that's that's factually incorrect, because what should be is exactly what is.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: exactly. anything else is is just kind of imagination and BS because what should be is yeah. exactly where we're at right. Yeah, now.
1: that's what's here right now at nine. Yeah, at exactly. So one other one other uh, thing that's popped up for me, Pat, is relationships. Obviously, my number one value is relationships are everything. So, as an ex- example, who is responsible for your relationship? So you're in a, in a significant other relationship, you know, how do people typically think about relationships in regards to who's responsible? I think most
0: people will look at it and say, it's both Mm -hmm. if they're reasonable. Yes. And if they're less reasonable, they might say it's mostly their partner.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Yes. Yeah. But, and so you're right. Most people say, oh, my partner's this, my partner's not, my partner's that. When people are reasonable, they go, it's 50-50. And so what ends up happening, Pat, a lot of times, well, they've got to come here so I can go there, right? And so it's like it's like it's a 50-50 thing. Well, and again, that's all interpretation about where they need to come or what what needs to be done, right? It's all you're creating it. And so in relationship, people who are powerful at relationships saying, I am 100% responsible for all the relationships in my life. And I have great relationships based on my 100% responsibility for them. I have bad relationships based on my 100% responsibility for them. So I'm accountable, I'm responsible. And so, you know, having a relationship where you are 100% committed, and saying, I'm going to be responsible for this, I'm going to take responsibility, maybe that's owning something, maybe that's you know, going the extra mile, whatever it is, but taking that responsibility is so valuable.
0: Yeah. Like I always like to think, so relationships can be a little bit scary, right? Because you make yourself really vulnerable for somebody. Yes. So I always like to think about relationships as a lot like, um, I think the term for this is like a a Mexican standoff where like you've got the, the, everybody's pointing guns at each other and and they're all like, you drop your guns first. No, you drop your, you know, like one of those like I used okay. to in the movies. I don't think it's a real thing that ever happens, sure. but it's like that, that movie idea. I, I like to think of like to a certain extent because it's scary to put your guns down and put your guard down and be vulnerable and, right. and just be open in the relationship yeah. and all that. Authentic, yes. People would rather hold their guns up and be like oh, I'm protected, or, you know, that, that sort of idea. So really what's happening is when you describe the 50-50 model, it's two people pointing guns at each other, going, You put yours down, and I'll put mine down. Okay, let's move them down an inch. Let's move, you know. And if you want to be any good yeah. at, or and, and have an incredible relationship, you've just got to put your gun away like, just put it away. Yeah, put it away. Yeah, you yeah. know, okay, cool. Yeah, you could shoot me, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm okay with that. We're this is a relationship yeah. <laughs> we've got. <that> <laughs> I know. And by <laughs> the way, that doesn't <laughs> mean expose yourself to all sorts of risk because you know. Like there's all sorts of examples. We could talk about that in a second, but that doesn't mean expose yourself or to all sorts of risk. But in terms of like emotionally and, you know, just being open, honest, authentic, put your guns down, talk, work it out, be communicate, you know, just be there. Right. And recognize that you're not 50% responsible for the relationship. You're 100% responsible for the relationship. 100%. Like if you don't do anything about it, it's not going to work if you give a hundred percent and, and you know, obviously you're, you're going to like, make sure that you ask, you know, part of giving it a hundred percent is also kind of being able to ask for what you need and looking for what you need and finding somebody who can give you that. So part, part of it's kind of built into that, but it's also just giving it a hundred percent that you're fully responsible for it. Like if your spouse is pissed, you're like, you can go and solve. Yeah. It's not their fault to go and not be pissed. It's your responsibility to go and figure this conflict out.
1: I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So, So there are actions that you can take that can make a difference. It's taking responsibility for your actions that, you know, were part of this dance that isn't working right now. So that's what taking responsibility is in a relationship. So I wanted to bring bring that in as part of our uh, conversation around responsibility. Because ultimately, what do we want in our life? Yeah, we want to be leaders. We want to be really powerful. And we want our relationships to really, really be incredible. Because again, to grow any great business, I need all sorts of powerful relationships. So again, taking ownership for each and every relationship in your business, in your life is going to make all the difference.
0: Yeah. And I got to finish this off by saying that like that was probably the last piece where I was really able to figure that out
1: mm-hmm. was
0: in relationships, like that was the sort of the one that took the longest was sure. to be completely responsible there, because I think it was for me personally the the one where I struggled the most or it took me the longest to kind of become fully responsible for it, and being fully responsible for it just opened up so much. Mm-hmm. like yeah, I, I can't even describe it like areas where. I think the best example is a lot of times when, like, my partner was really, um, would get upset or just not be in a good mood or anything along those lines. I would automatically go to a place of, like, like, it, it's like I took it as I was being blamed. Right. I'd go to a place of, of, like, why are you being this way with me? This right. is unfair, or they like I didn't do anything, this isn't right. my fault, or I'm not wrong for yeah. for you feeling this way because I didn't do it, or things like that. And I think that's a natural place for people to go to, and then all of a sudden, it was like, actually, this doesn't actually matter whether it's my fault or whether it's someone else's no. fault. Yeah. what matters is my partner that I care about is in distress, for sure. And I can either try to do something to help, or let them suffer, and you know that's it. Right now, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think that's like a starting point. And then if you're if you can even get your partner to see that and to right. start to adopt that point of view, it's even easier because then you know the the blame part of the relationship can actually just kind of wash away, wash away, and you yes. just work together. And it's so much more powerful when you can do that. You can have such better, A, relationships with your spouse, but also with everybody you work with, with everybody in your families, and your, so yeah. it's such well, a big.
1: And that actually speaks to, actually, one of the amazing things about working, you know, in the student works management program is people take responsibility and put their hand up. Oh, I, I created that. Oh, sorry. I'm, you know, and we have a blameless culture, largely, overwhelmingly. You know, there's just not a lot of blame in our, in our, in our business. And, and it's just like, oh, what can we do next? Oh, why is this happening for us? What can we put in place so this doesn't happen again? Oh, I got that happen. Thanks for taking responsibility. No concerns. Let's move on. We don't spend a lot of time in that space, which is just so powerful, right? And, yeah. it, and, it, and just because we will so much want to blame ourselves. We will so much want to, you know, because that's, that's our natural go-to So letting that go and then being in an environment where people are letting it go is really powerful.
0: Yeah. I just had a thought while you were saying that we would make the most lame reality show you've ever seen. Yes. You know, it would just be like, you know, there'd be no freakouts, there'd be no big, you know, oh, something stressful would happen and everybody would go. And everybody'd be like, oh man, like, you know, it'd be the typical like HGTV renovation thing going on. And the guy's freaking out and everybody in these yelling at employees. And it's like, all of a sudden they just imagine them all standing there going, okay, guys, what went wrong today? (laughs) Oh yeah, I forgot to do this. Okay, great. So, so what are we going to do to make sure that we don't, you know, have that happen on our next build? Oh, well, I think if we put this this system in place. It's going to really help solve that issue in the future. Great. That sounds like a great idea. Okay, great. So let's put that in place and uh, let's go have a great day. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody would watch and be the (laughs) most boring show ever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Boring, effective, powerful, uh, lots lots less stress, lots more love. yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, I don't watch reality TV, but thanks for, thanks for sharing that yeah so Pat, anything else you want to add around taking responsibility?
0: No, I think the only thing I want to leave people with is the idea that i like if there's one thing that somebody listened to this whole conversation and got, I think it's like feeling bad about stuff does nothing good for anybody right. It yeah. is a waste of your time and effort and you didn't fix anything and you didn't make anything better, and you just made yourself feel bad and then blamed it on someone right so if you're gonna make any sort of strides in this, just do something about it. Stop mm-hmm. blaming, stop feeling bad. Cause the feeling bad thing, that's a lie. I, I always thought of that. It it's uh it started from a really useful place of yeah. like let's identify good versus bad, bad morality. It's really yeah. Yeah. And then it it's it's like a virus that mutated and changed, kind of like this virus we're dealing with now, but it's a it's a <laughs> virus that mutated and changed, and all of a sudden turned into something like that really stops people in their lives. So yeah, I think you start to work on just nipping that in the butt, get that bad feeling out of there, and you'll just be so much more effective.
1: Love it. Well, Pat, a really, really powerful conversation today. Thank you so much for joining the leaders of tomorrow. And uh, I know we've got another one in the works. So you have a fantastic day. Cheers, Chris. Bye. Cheers. Thank you.